No problem. You're right on time. Well, while you were, <laughs> while you were stalling us, uh, yeah. I actually came across a great headline that I think would be a great way to open with you. Have you seen this one from, okay. from the New York post today, Elliot? No, I have not. Finland skier suffers frozen penis in Olympics mass start race. <laughs> Wait, I, I did see that once I, I heard, I saw it on another site, but I shouldn't be surprised that the New York post ran it that way. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I don't know enough about the New York post to know why you, I should not be surprised, but that they ran it that way. But I mean, I, the whole story is hilarious, but I mean, it's, it's not hilarious, but I guess the best part for me is, uh, when he's just said at the end of the quote here, when the body parts started to warm up after the finish, the pain was unbearable. I can only imagine. I don't know if you guys have like when your toes freeze in your skates and they start to like thaw out and numb out that yeah. numbing sensation is like that tingle. Mm-hmm. It's almost like the burn, the burn, it burns. It burns. <laughs> anyway, I guess we'll, we'll leave it like that. But before you got on, it makes it harder to count to 21. <laughs> Uh, before we had you on, we were just sitting here trying to solve all the Sabres problems. We were just talking about, obviously, some of the bright spots, but uh, mm-hmm. like Tage Thompson had a hat trick over the weekend. It's what a another. great player he's turned into. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, you think so? Oh, yeah. What, what, that's a, it's, a, it's a huge win for... To me, that's one of the, the, the Sabres' biggest wins of the season is Tage Thompson. Now you think you have a player there, and I don't know what you thought you had before this year. The, the other thing, too, is like the one thing about Granado is um, like, like I see a couple of things that he's done. Like you guys can speak to the, like to the structure, but I see a team where everybody seems to have a better idea of what they're supposed to do. Like that's whether players are succeeding or not. I think they understand what the structure is, agree or disagree. Uh, I, I mean, I don't want to take over this, this episode with you. Cause I mean, when you come on, you're, you're, you're always great. I mean, I, I'm not sold on Don Granado. No, no, no. I mean, that's fine. Like I, I have no problem with that. We can agree and disagree, but I don't even like, know why you would even say that. Like what, what is your inkling? Why, why are we even, why would you say that? What has he done? Asking? That's kind of, yeah. I'm, or both of you. Well, well, I wanted Elliot to finish what he was saying there. Like I said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take this over and make it about me and my thoughts today, but. Well, no, I was just going to say about Granado is like, I think there were people before, like if you ask people in the last couple of years about playing against Buffalo, they said that they, it didn't seem that the Sabres were sure what their system was supposed to be. When you play against the Granado Sabres, they, the players seem to know what they're supposed to be. Um, you know, the other thing I like about them this year is that, look, like Thompson has gone from question mark to player. I think that's a big win for them. Under. What's that? Under who? Under, like under this regime or whatever. Under, the, under Granado. Yeah, under Granado. Okay. Skinner, like, I don't know what to make of Skinner, but he, he I mean, look, he's, he's producing. Um, you know, Craig Simpson always said to me, be wary of the player who produces when, or the team that does well when the games don't seem to matter. I always remember that about what Craig said, but Skinner is producing. I mean, look, I understand that you may not be sure, Andrew, and you watch more, you watch more than I do, but I, I see more victories this season in the individual personnel than I've seen the last few years. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I'll just, you, I, I'm just, I got to jump in here because that to me is one of the most um, interesting statements I've actually heard out of your mouth in a long time. And I would love for you to basically, Elliot's not buying why. that. You know, number one, Jeff Skinner was on the fourth line with the last coach. Okay. He didn't even play. He was healthy scratch. Now you're looking at him and Jeff Skinner is uh, already got 20 goals already this season and he's working and playing extreme much, much better. Tage Thompson has flourished under mm-hmm. Granado last year and this year. He's a completely different player. You look at Casey Middle. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tage Thompson, Thompson has flourished, okay? I mean, yes, he's flourished, but flourished. but eventually eventually his abilities were either, either going to shine through or they weren't, okay. right? Yeah, but I mean, they could so, have not. They could have not. That's the whole point. He's also the whole point. 
Casey Middlestat last year was, was summoned to, you know, a practice squad. Then all of a sudden Don Granato comes in, changes everything. And Casey Middlestat or Middlestat was fantastic last year in games that didn't matter as Elliot just pointed out. I mean, so you're getting, you know, you gotta start somewhere. They were out after before Christmas, they were out in November of last year. I agree you know, with you that. At, you look at Rasmus Dahlin. You look at Henry Yoki Haru. We're horrendously bad under the old coach. Don Granato comes in, changes the mindset, not the player, the mindset. And now all of a sudden, those players are starting to flourish and move forward. I don't understand where what you're talking about with Don Granato. I think he's done a very good job with a very average team. They're very young. They're They're making mistakes. They're learning. They do not have some of the right pieces in this lineup to be able to be competitive each and every night. They're missing in key pieces to this lineup. But Don Granato is doing a nice job with what he has. You know, who else, you know who else been better this year? And I'm happy to see him because I really like him personally is Ocpozo. Yeah. We were just talking about him, about, you know, because Craig was going through players that are, he was asking me, he's like, he's listing off players. He's like, back next year, not back next year, back next year. And, you know, when, when he came to Oposo, I mean, I, I, I basically said, well, he's got one more year left on his deal. Um, but I think you, you know, absolutely you, you keep him around his leadership qualities. And I think he's, I think he's played really, really well. And I, and maybe, you know, he's not the fastest guy, but he thinks the game at a very high at a very fast pace. Yes. Right. So I, I think he can you know, much like a Sam Reinhardt type, you know, where like maybe the speed isn't there, but the brain is there. I think he's, I think he's just fine. I think he's, I think he'd be fine to come back here next year. And I think he would add a lot to the lineup. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's good to see him do well. He's got 12 goals. I know my, he, Craig and my brother had a, had a bet about Oposo on how many goals they would get this year. So who won? Uh, uh, Craig has won. Craig has won this one. <laughs> Obviously. Craig has won this one. <laughs> well, and, listen, but it wasn't, I know, I know it was, Kyle personally, and I know what he did at the end of last season. Not a happy group. Um, there was a lot of changes that were made over the course of the summer. Uh, I got to see Kyle um, and how dedicated he was as an individual player, just worrying about himself first before you can, you know, do all the team stuff and build. And Kyle did everything in his power to make sure that he was ready for the start of the season by the way that he ate um, his diet, uh, the way he trained um, how much skating he did. He was in that big group that went to Montreal, that training camp with all those top end players, he put in the work. And now, you know, we're in games in for the Sabres and he's got, you know, 28 points and, and 12 goals and he's continuing to do what he does. He's it's, it's not just about his offensive production, but it's about what he does behind the scenes in the locker room. He's a huge, huge glue piece for this team. So um, he's, uh, he's had a nice year and it's, and it's not done. This team's going to continue to try and push forward. There's a lot of young players here, a lot of young players that are trying to figure it out. I'll, I'll tell you this. One player I'm not sure about yet is 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 Middlestad. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, I'm not. You know, one of the things I, I I just wonder about guys is, and it's not always your fault, but when you're a team, it's incredibly important to you. Is you know, can you stay healthy enough? For me, it's not yes, even. A, I, I would. Uh, I would add something to that. Go ahead, Petey, because no. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do talk about the exact same thing. Are you? Sh- I don't know if we are. For me, it's not even the health, and it's never been about mm-hmm. the health. I, I think I, I don't. I just don't think he's very fast. Yeah, I mean, that's we talk about Oposo, exactly you know, not being, but he's also thirty some odd years old, and he, you know, but he he still again thinks the game is such a high level. I don't. I don't worry about Casey Middlestad's uh, health. Um, although I, I mean, I, I do, but it's, it's not the number one concern for me. It's, it's, it's whether he's fast enough to, to, to play on a nightly basis against as this game gets faster and faster. Now, look at, now, listen, if Casey Middlestad hears me say this, he's going to be like, well, who the fuck are you? Like, look at you weren't, you know, look at what you were. And I get that. I understand that. But you asked me the question and I'm, I'm giving you an honest answer when I say, I, I just look at this player and I just don't see any kind of jam to his game. None, 
none. I think he's, I think he's, he can be, you know, he tries to be too crafty and, and I think that slows him down. I think that affects his play and I'm not, I'm not sold on him at all. Did we not say the same thing, Craig? It, I think his skill set, I think his vision on the ice is elite. Like, I mean, high end in this league. The difference mm-hmm. is that he doesn't have the um, the skating ability to be able to be an elite player in the game. His brain is elite. His hockey IQ is elite. He just lacks probably one of the most important things in the game of hockey is is the skating. It's the speed. This game, this game right now, watching these uh, these players play, um, it is a fast, mm-hmm. fluid game that uh, the puck movement and everything and um, I wouldn't say that I've given up on Casey Middlestat because I watched him last year absolutely dominate and play exceptionally well. And this year, he's only played a couple games. He's been hurt the entire year. So it's very difficult to say that, you know, we're going to give up on Casey Middlestat because I don't think that's the right thing. I think he's 24 years old. I think he's coming into the prime years of his of his hockey. So I don't understand. Did we say the same thing or not? Yes, he. I think you guys said ability. the same thing. I, I think you guys are hopeful, but you're worried. I mean, I feel the same way. I, I don't. I, I don't know yet if we. And how long has he been a pro now? Four or five years. Like you. Yeah. I just don't think we know what we have here. Like I'm. I'm looking at your roster right now. Like I, I'm looking at the the Sabers roster, and you know, I I I want to think that. I, I want to think that you have a young goalie here that even though he's not playing right now, that you can count on, um, you know, I, I think you can count on Darlene. I think you can count on Yoko Harju. And then, you know, you have some veterans there, but. Matthias Samuelson is an absolute no brainer. Yeah. I like, I haven't, you know, I have to say, I haven't had a chance to watch a ton of them. But I've heard, I've heard really good things. Okay. Yep. And then I look up front. I, I I think, you know, I think obviously you can count on Cousins. I mean, he's he's a hell of a player. The question um, is, Elliot, is mm-hmm. where is he going to fit into the lineup next year? Is he going to be the second line center? I think we've already established that Tage Thompson next year mm-hmm. will play with Tuck and he will play with Skinner. And mm-hmm. that's the number one line. They have produced at a crazy pace since they've been together. Um, now it's what's going to happen to line number two and line number three. Well, you know what I see with cousins, Craig, and, and I'm sure you play with guys like this, you know, like t- I'm, if, if Tage Thompson's playing on your number one line, okay. You're going to say to that line, we're going to worry about, you guys worry about scoring. You guys score. Now, Dylan cousins, you're going to deal with everybody else. You are going to be the guy who makes sure that Tage Thompson and his line can score. And you know what? That's a hugely important player, Craig. Yes, that's, that's the true glue of your team. That's the person who decides like Tage Thompson's like, if this all works out for Buffalo, Tage Thompson's line is the line that gets all the glory. All those guys are your scorers. But when you get into the dressing room after the game, everyone's looking at Dylan cousins and saying, he's the reason we won tonight. That's Superman. That's what that's what Dylan Cousins is. So okay, so so going back to to the old years, you want him to be kind of like your your Chris Drury type player. Your you know like your penalty killer, shot blocker, face off guy, Michael uh, Pekka. He's going to be a, a, a Michael Pekka. He's going to be a player that plays both ends of the ice real strong. He has the ability maybe in his career to score 25, even 30 goals. But at the his his strength is going to be us talking about him and the Selkie trophy. But you know what? I I think that I think it's even bigger than that to be honest. Maybe the Sel- like maybe the Selkie trophy is the is the talk is the talk, but you know the the, the players in Buffalo guys who sell jerseys are the, the blue collar guys like Buffalo fans are smart sports fans. And all those years where the Sabres and the, and the bills have been good. Like everybody likes, loves Josh Allen. Everybody loved Jim Kelly, but you would go to games and there'd be people wearing, 
you know, Daryl Talley jerseys and Andre Reed jerseys. And, um, you, you, you know, like that's, that's the way it was. Like you'd go to Sabres games and, you know, obviously you had your star players like Briere and people love Briere for sure. And deservedly so, but there'd be people wearing, you know, other, like I used to see people wearing Henrik Talinder jerseys because they knew what a good player he was. And, and Dylan Cousins is going to be the guy who everybody's got a Dylan Cousins jersey because he's going to do all those things out there that make a team good. I, I see him as a as a hugely valuable player. Like I'm looking at your forwards. Cousins, obviously, big part of it. Krebs, big part of it. Pozo, I think, comes back and, and continues what he's doing. You're looking at Jack Quinn. You're looking at Skinner. You're looking at Thompson. You're looking at Tuck. I mean, okay, you're, stop you're right hoping there. Stop you're looking right at Middlestat, but there you so go. So you just talked about Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, Aposo, Middlestat, Krebs, yep. Cousins, Quinn. That's yep. eight guys. Yep. The four guys that you're going to integrate into this lineup, that's going to be the most important part right now. And the reason why I say this. And Owen Power. Well, Owen Power. On Who, defense, and Owen so Power I, is going to be on your team this year. Yes. This year. Yes. He's going to play for you this year. Do you, do you know that for sure? I, I have good reason to believe it. Why? Yeah, I I believe, you have, love I, when you have good reason. Elliot. No, <laughs> I, I just, I've just heard he's going to. So I, you, like, so barring you, anything, some major shockingly happen. He's going to sign with you this year. I believe it. Yes. And he's going to play for you this year. Wow. Appreciate that little tidbit there, Elliot. I, I, I've, I believe so what it. do you think of this uh, defense? I think after, with- after the season's over, I, I, I would be shocked if he's not a saver in, in Michigan. I mean, all left-handed yeah, shots, yeah. Elliot, Rasmus Dahlin, Owen power, Matias Samuelson. You got to find a righty or two. Yeah. We have Henry Oki. Are you? Yeah. And, Petey and I have talked about this at length. You need to find two defensemen that are perfect fits for a second pair and a third pair. Mm -hmm. And they need to have a type of game that will, I think, support and also fill areas of need. And I mean, maybe a defense to a couple of right-handed defensemen that have a little bit more of a physical style, a little bit more of a nasty style, because you're going to get some fantastic play out of those three left-handed defensemen that are all have great size yep. and puck moving ability, but you need some sandpaper on the back end. Yep. Um, maybe with some, with some uh, veteran uh, guys that have been in the league a, a, a little bit. And it's the same with, I, I talked about the eight forwards that we just talked about. These are mm-hmm. all highly, highly skilled players, you know, and, and still, still very young, but you need to integrate those next four guys. They need to be certain types of player mm-hmm. that will support all of that skill. Elliot, when you talk to management, yeah. when you talk to management, around the league, how, and they talk about building their teams and things like that. How many of them um, would you say put a, put a uh, value on team toughness? I'm not talking fighting. I'm talking about having crashers, bangers, guys that'll get in guys faces. Everybody, everybody does. Everybody does. Like Andrew, this is still a game where intimidation except matters. one. Well, except, no except Buffalo, man. I mean, it's like, it's painful. Got Buffalo. Yeah. You know what? You know what the problem is? Here's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't believe that, that Buffalo doesn't want it. I, I don't, I, I don't believe that. Here's I the disagree pro- with you. You did. Okay. I, mean, I absolutely feel deep down in my heart that this is coming from the highest of power that they do not want any toughness in this line. Uh, I, I, you know, because like, it doesn't make sense. It's been 10 years now. You, you guys are there. Like, and I defer, I always defer to you guys. You guys, you guys are there and you guys play at a high level. If that's the case, that's wrong for a couple of reasons. Number one, you can't win that way. Intimidation still matters and pushback still matters. And number two, here's the thing I don't get in your market. The, the, that sells to the fans. Absolutely. You know, Andrew, you had a you had a hell of a career there because th- the Sabres fans identified with you, just like they identified with Rob Ray and and Brad Matt Barnaby and, 
and Matthew Barnaby and Pat Coletta. All those guys. Yeah. I uh, like, I, I, if that's the case and I'll, I'll just take your word for it, uh, but if that's the case, that's a big mistake. You need, you know, like toughness still matters. Like we don't, we don't fight as much as we used to, but this is still a game of intimidation. And once the playoffs start, it's a, it's a nasty, nasty, hard game. You, you can't win in this league unless you can win one-on-one battles all the time, all the time. Like to me, like guys, like to me, that's what toughness is. Can you win your one-on-one battle? Can you win in the playoffs when you're getting face washed and the referees just aren't calling it? Like that's, that's how you win in this league. I agree with you hundred percent. So, so you have these conversations with, with management. You, you hear, I don't, I, I don't think you need to Andrew, because I think it's implicitly understood. So do you have any idea, like just based on trade rumors or anything? And, and uh, you, you know, I mean, tr- you know, obviously staying, staying Sabre centric here, but I mean, do the Sabres have any plans to, to move out any of these young prospects to bring in players that, that are already, I don't necessarily just to, to bring in players that are, are ready to insert in the lineup that have term on their contract that, that might play a certain style. Are they, are they actively trying to revamp their team on the go here or are they sitting pat with the young skilled talent that they have? Well, I just don't know if it's smart to, to trade your young skilled talent. Like I, I think on some level and like, and even though it's, it's not, Look, there aren't like it used to be when you guys played. And I, I feel like I use this line a lot. Every team had five Tom Wilsons. Now there's five Tom Wilsons in the league. Like that, that's yeah, right. that's really changed. But you know, the one thing I do feel is that it, it's hard to find good skill. And if you have good skill, you should keep it. But you can find players who are grinders who can play around them, and you should be able to find them reasonably inexpensively. Like I'm just going through here. So let's just take a look at some of the, the, like the free agent forwards for argument's sake. Okay. Uh, At the end of this year. And, you know, like, not like we're not talking about like the Eugenie Malkin's closed Jerusalem of the world, but you move down the list and, you know, like, you know, I'm just throwing names out there. Okay. Yeah. Go for it. Cal Clutterbuck. Oh, let's, like five years ago, let's get them. Yeah. But like, let's just say for a year, for argument's sake, for one year. Oh my, okay. yeah. I'm not saying that. Yeah. Five years ago, I would have had them and I wouldn't now I'm saying, but yes, in order to have a for- Cal Clutterbuck. Yeah. You need to have a Martin because Cal Clutterbuck is and not Sezikis, a like that. The Sezikis is a, is a gritty Sezikis is a hell of a player. Like he, like he really is, you know, you but, guys, have, but you have to understand Sezikis mm-hmm. is that player. Because of the guy that he plays with. And yeah, but I'm saying that's like, Matt you, Martin. You can find some of these guys deeper in your lineup relatively inexpensively. That's my point. Yes. Like, you know, you know, like, like, especially like you guys aren't going to be challenging for the Stanley Cup next year. Kyle Clifford. Okay. Like, that's a guy. You know, he's he's on the fringe now, but he's got an unbelievable attitude and he'll stand up for your players. Like, I'm going to throw some names out here. People are going to disagree with me. That That's fine. Like, I I have I have absolutely no problem with people disagreeing with me. Well, you're two for two with me. So just keep can rolling. I ask a question and maybe let him finish. Can, I want to <laughs> like, know like about Trevor Miles Lewis. Wood. Trevor, Trevor Lewis. Like, there's another guy. Sign him up. Um, you know, they're towards the ends of their careers, but for a year or two, they can come in there, they can run over people and they can protect your players. And that's the thing. There needs to be a collective, um, you know, it, it needs to be a group that cares about each other. I know all Greg, these guys Greg care McKay about is another guy. Curtis Gabriel. Curtis Gabriel. Yes. Yes. Put him on the left wing and, or he's a right winger, I think. And, 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 you, just, and you say, guys, you guys are going to make seven fifty. I mean, you never know. Some guys might get more than that because they might have two or three offers, but you're, you're talking about a low number 
and you're coming in and your job is just to make sure that nobody's running over our guys. How's John been for you guys this year? Uh, How's John Hayden been? He has, he has done, he's done his job. He's, I'm certainly not going to be, be hard on John Hayden. I, you know, I mean, he's, you know, does he stand up and protect your guys? Yes. Yes. Uh, when, when he needs to, I mean, he had a, he had a pretty good scrap against that guy against Ottawa. He fought Kachuk. He went right after a guy against San Jose, I think to get, you know, to get things going for the team right off the bat. I mean, yeah, I, I think, really like I John and my dealings with him, so I'm kind of partial to him. No, no, listen, I think he's I think he's done his job and what I think he's done what has been asked and required of him since he came here. Like it's not like it's not like where you need him to go out and square off against the other team's heavyweights 25 times a year for mm-hmm. entertainment cuz that's over. You know what I mean? He can hold yeah. his own on the ice and you know, but I mean, could we upgrade there? Maybe or you no, could I, listen. Add, I'm going to tell you a this. little somebody to to go along with the committee. Well, it, thank you. I'm going to tell you this, mm-hmm. John Hayden. Who's he feel comfortable? Who's got his back? Hmm. Who is it? Nobody. Name me a guy on defense. It's got to be a guy in defense. There's always guys on defense. There's zero. Name me the guy on the forward line. Dylan Cousins? Well, guess what? You don't want Dylan Cousins fighting all the time. I like that he has the jam. I like Mm -hmm. that he's able and wanting to, but you don't want Dylan Cousins fighting. But he's going to because that's just the way he plays the game. And I have nothing wrong with that. But got John Hayden is doing this by himself. He's doing it by himself. You know, There's uh, there's no support for him. Petey, you sat in the bench. And, and, and listen, I mean, Adam Mayer was not fighting the guys that you fought, but I'll tell you this, Adam Mayer would fight every single guy that you fought mm-hmm. for you. Would you agree? hundred percent. Pat Coletta. Same thing. Craig Reve. There was a collective group of guys that understood that we were all in this together. Well, mm-hmm. right now you got John Hayden. And you know what? He's not a bad player, but he needs to be told that, listen, you have a role, okay? And I want you to hit everything in sight. Seek and destroy. You're fat. He's a good skater. He's actually a pretty smart kid, plays the game. He needs to be more physical, a little bit nastier, and he's going to scare the bejesus out of 90% of the guys in the league because they don't know who he is. But he's done a nice job this year. Yeah, but if he, he could ride shotgun match. with a guy like Nick Delorier, it would change his his or, or another guy on defense. You yeah. just have a little yeah. bit more collective, and uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now: those young guys, Peyton Krebs and Middlestat, and even Tage Thompson's not not afraid to jump in there and 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 get his uh, you know feet feet wet. Like, but it's it starts to become a little bit more by committee and a little bit more guys feel a little bit more comfortable and they're backing each other up. There hasn't been this in 10 years that I've seen with Buffalo. It, and it's, it's someone has to be saying, no, I don't want this style of hockey. Someone has to, at the very, very top has to be saying that because it doesn't make sense that this team has been run out of the building and embarrassed for so many years. Elliot, you were you were about to add that something there. You're, 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 you're I, I was gonna I was gonna say that uh, I was just gonna stay that say that I don't think that Delory is gonna be an option. I I would I think Anaheim is gonna keep him. No I've brainer, been, I, no brainer, right? I, no I, I brainer. Think, I think Anaheim's keeping him. I'm just looking at some of the names on defense: Josh Brown, Josh Manson. You know, you know who you know who's had. I'll tell you this. You, say you know Branson. I was about to say him. I'm looking at Good Branson. He's had a hundred thousand percent. You know who's had a hell of a year in Calgary too is Zadorov, but he's a lefty. You guys got a lot of lefties. Did you? Well, he's not coming back here anyway. He's. Oh, his, I keep totally he, forgetting he's already been. There. He's right, done in Buffalo. He he'll he'll sign for less somewhere else. And just just if he had the option. Just to go, just to go somewhere else. I think he he kind of left Buffalo with a bad taste. I totally it. forgot about that. But good Branson, like he's he's had a great year. Well, and that's exactly, and I mean, 
exactly the type of defenseman we need. You want to know why? Why? Number one, he's a third pair defenseman. Can we agree on that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Third pair. He's going to be positioned with Matias Samuelson. Matias Samuelson is 6'5", and he's 230 pounds. Gabranson, who right now would be in a top, be top 10 toughest players in the National Hockey League, mm-hmm. can look over at his partner and say, you are going to be a nasty, big, physical guy, and I have got your back. Don't even worry about it. You just play. Mm-hmm. You play, I got your back. Oh, my God, that kid's going to be eight feet tall. Yeah, That's exactly no. the defenseman that we need. He, can you imagine guys chirping at uh, Dylan Cousins and all the, all the players? Gabranson's going to be right there ready to rip heads off. Can and you then, facilitate and that, Elliot? And, and you got Honey Hayden that's going, you know what? I want to get into the action. Yeah, and all of a sudden, he's in there. And then all of a sudden, you just say, hey, skilled guys, you guys play. We're going to play another game over here. You guys play and score and put the puck in the net, and we'll, we'll take care of everything else. You know, it's, it's interesting, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll shift gears here, but my second year in the American League, I, I led the American hey. League in penalty minutes, okay? I was, I was fighting everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I fought everybody. Like, you know, the year that I really started fighting true heavyweights was the second year in the American League. My first year was just getting my feet wet. Right. But, but I remember, you know, like I was all alone. I, you know, I, there wasn't any yes. other guys on my team that were fighters. You know, we had Craig Brunel the year before, but he left. And then, you know, we had Sasha Lakovic and he left. And then it was Sasha Lakovic. What, yeah. what a name. I forgot Sasha the Masha, um, you know, and, and he, you know, and I was, I was alone and I was willing to do it and I was embracing it, but nothing made me more feel more comfortable than when we went into Cleveland midway through the year into our locker room and morning skate. And there was this six foot seven long haired guy with a goatee. And I'd never heard of him or seen him before. And his name was Ryan Schmier. And mm. there's this massive guy. He came right up to me and he goes, I'm here to ride shotgun with you. Let's go do this together. And I was like, Holy mm. shit. This is incredible. This guy's hungry to do it. You know, like it takes the pressure off of me to do it every single night. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it made me a little bit uncomfortable too. You know, like it made me like a little bit like, man, I got to win my fights. I got this, this other guy, guy here. to take my job. Yes. Yeah. You, so, you know, it was like, it was a nice addition. And I, and then when I get to Buffalo and then the next year we had Sean McMorrow and then the next year, you know, I'm in Buffalo and I have Eric Bolton, Adam Mayer, you know, and it's like, you're sitting there and you're just thinking, man, when Bolts and I were in the lineup together, it was like, you know, who's going first. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, it was, there was, there was way more, um, security to the, to the feel of it. And Craig, I know, you yes. know exactly what I'm talking about, but I know exactly what you're talking about because I didn't want to fight. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to fight all the time. I didn't want to fight the guys that, that like, I didn't you fight. love when I was chirping oh, at you nonstop and Aaron Downey would just come right in and he'd be hundred, all, like, listen, hundred thousand percent. Like or I remember Sheldon Eric, Surrey. Sheldon Surrey like was my partner, and I was like, "Oh my god, I love you so much!" Man. <laughs> because like when I was playing with him, I did whatever I wanted, like to anybody, because I knew that Shelly and I together could do some damage to to people, you know. Like, yeah. and that's and I if I didn't have that, then it, it, it I mean it just I play the game differently, and then it gives the other team thinking like, "Well, which one's going to get me?" which one's going to get me i don't think anybody was worried about me but sheldon surrey that was a danger right there and and darren langdon and darren langdon another great darren langdon like another guy shane corson like i told you that i absolutely ran matt sundin twice in in the uh i'll never forget this the crowd was losing it i tried to put sundin over the boards right by the toronto bench and then out of the corner of my eye Sundin legs over the board and then these little legs came over the board and I was thinking man that's a short little leg and then I realized it was Ty Domi I was like oh my god so he sprinted across and he was like let's go let's go and he's shaking his gloves in comes Shane Corson and I'm thinking to myself I would have fought Ty I would have fought Ty didn't want to fight Ty. I wouldn't have want to fight but Shane Corson oh my and I'm and I'm just like Yes, 
that is what this is all about because I'm going to tell you next time you're in trouble, I will be there at, at you know, and that's what makes your team so tight and so yes. strong. So, so Elliot, we're, we're burning up a ton of your time here. Um, it's okay. Some, some, uh, you know, what'd you think of the Olympics? Did you watch, uh, any of the Olympics, the finals, the medal games? I thought it was great for Miro Shatan and Slovakia. Yeah, yeah, I know. You know, Andrew, I, I actually, I was thinking about you and Miro Shatan because you'll, I don't know if you'll remember this story, but do you remember the night in Toronto when he did the phone call? After I was on the team. Not, not only were you on the team, but you've forgotten this story. So you didn't play that night. And, uh, <laughs> but I was working sidelines. I was ringside for hockey night in Canada and I wanted to, so Buffalo won that game and he scored that goal and did the phone thing. And I wanted him to come on and be our post game interview. And I can't remember if it was, if it was Chris Bandura at that time or not, it would have been Mike, Gilbert. Mike Gilbert, but I, I, I said to them, can we have, uh, Miro on and he said no it wasn't Gilbert or Bandura who said no it was he came they came back to me and they said sorry but Miro had said no and you walked out and you we were chatting and you go you're talking to Miro after the game and ask him about the phone thing and I said I'd love to but he told the PR staff he's not coming out and you said okay let me handle this and you went in the room and you came out and you're like he said no to me too (laughs) well you 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 know what i'll say this you know miro was a very misunderstood guy he was so good to me i had such a good relationship yeah you you said you you said and you actually defended him to me you were like elliot he's a really good guy i'm really sorry this is not like miro like you want to know you want you want to know what miro did did with me every game day skate he would come and get me and he would, he would use me as like a stick handling dummy. And he would say, you know, try to get the puck from me. And he would just dangle and dangle and toe drag me. And he would show me things. He's like, you'll, you'll probably never use this stuff in a game, but he would show me how to do certain things and work. He worked with my stick handling every single game day. He, he would come and get me, bring me to the middle and he would, and he probably did it knowing that he could make himself get some confidence and feel good about himself in his hands that day. But, <laughs> but, and I say that being self-deprecating, but he helped me so much see how creative and how good NHL hockey players were at stick handling. And I, you know, and he, he, he sat between, he sat, but in front, he liked to sit at the front of the bus. And I think after that game, we're busing home and he liked to sit at, uh, closer to the front of the bus. And I was a rookie and Curtis Brown sat behind me and he would always like have a highlighter with his Bible. And he was like highlighting like, like scriptures and stuff from like the Bible mm-hmm. Well, in front of me. So that's Brownie going behind me. And in front of me, Miro's reading the Da Vinci code. Okay. So all of a sudden I asked Miro, I'm like, Hey Miro, what book are you reading? And he leans back. He's got his head between the seats. And he starts, you know, talking to me about Da Vinci code. And then, you know, Brownie's got his headphones on. He takes his headphones off and he starts listening. He's got his ear between the back, the seats behind us. And all of a sudden as Miro's explaining to me about Da Vinci code, you know, Brownie's like, no, no, that's not right. No. And he starts like getting into all the real, like the religious, you know, um, facts and all this stuff. And we, there was like, honestly, like a holy war going on in the bus between Miro and, uh, and Brownie. But that night was, that was awesome. When he did that, the entire team loved when he did that move. I don't know, you know, in my opinion, I thought it was, what'd you think of that when he did that? Did you think it was like cocky? Do you think it was ridiculous? I mean, great for the game, right? Well, the thing is, like, like we were. I was like, wow. I mean, I didn't have a problem with it. Like, I've always felt express express yourself how you feel as long as you're not hurting anybody else, right? So I, I had I had no problem with it. The only thing I was annoyed about was that he didn't come on and explain to me what he was doing and talk about it. That was the only thing that. But it wasn't like I was. I was like, wasn't was that just like, like a few days before the trade deadline? Yeah, it was right yeah. before it. He was yeah. telling Darcy Regeer, make the call. So. Make the call. But, you know, as for the tournament, um, you know, the, like it wasn't a great tournament, but don't, uh, you, you always forget the passion. Like, I think, I think people have been worried about the future of hockey in Slovakia. You know, the, the, there have been fewer and fewer players and, and things like that. Like, this is a golden age of players coming to the end. Obviously, Gabrick just retired. Char is getting close. Sadly, we lost Pavel Dimitra. 
Um, and this is huge for them. And they've got a kid there who's going to be a very high pick. So, yeah. you know, I thought that was great. I was really happy for Finland. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize they'd never won a gold medal before because they're always there, right? They're 5,000 people in that country. Yeah. Like they're the, the Finns, like when five you play million. against them, five million, yeah, five, five million. million. Sorry. As people like, like, you know, Saku obviously so well, like yeah. you play against the Finns. They're so fucking annoying. They drive you crazy. They make you just hate them. Like you yeah. would have thought they would have won. I, I think it's such a, it's such a great thing to, I like, I, I think here and there, like, you know me, I root for Canada, but here and there it's, it's always good to have fresh blood. It's always good to have fresh blood. Yeah. I mean, I was happy for Finland. I, I just, I, I don't know. I look at it and I just think, what if the pros were there? You know, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from anyone, but what if, what if the pros were there? But anyway. Yeah. And you know, it, it, I think they're going to work something out here uh, with the foray world cup and an Olympics. I, I think you're going to see it. You're going to see it happen. Where is the next Olympics? Uh, it's in Italy. <sighs> Not back in Torino, is it? No, 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 no. It's, um, I think it's in... Olympics. Man, they got to stop this. They got to stop building Olympic... Uh, villages. Villages and like, stadiums and stuff. Just start recycling some of the ones that are already up because it's just, it just seems like such a waste. It's Milano Cortina. Okay. Yeah. Like, um, where is, where, when was uh, Montreal? When was uh, Montreal? 1976, correct? Yeah. And it, I mean... It, where where they built all that the stadiums and everything it's like a ghost town there yeah well i mean you're going to see that more and more now i think guys where they rebuild things like the only countries that really have the ability to, to spend all these billions are places like russia and china where there's no opposition right so you know like you know they want like places like la i think you'll see more often because they have the infrastructure mm -hmm. i wouldn't be surprised if they go back to vancouver or whistler again at some point because they were they were so successful um it, it makes it makes a lot of sense last thing i'll ask you what's what's your big news going into the week with uh, 32 thoughts and everything um I don't like I'm working on another story today that is a little bit of a tougher story. Um, but I, I can't say what it is yet until I get everything approved. It's an interview with someone. Um, and uh, and then we'll start. I'll start looking around on uh, like the Chicago GM search is a story. The trade deadlines beginning to hit, heat up a bit. And, you know, we'll see what else comes out there. Any names coming out of the Chicago GM search? Uh, you know, the, I mean, the names that they that they had was Kyle Davidson, who's the incumbent, Peter Shirelli, um, Matthew Darsh, um, who was it? Uh, Eric Tulski. Uh, there was the Jeff Greenberg from the Cubs, Teresa Rash from the Raptors. Um, they, they've tried a couple of different and unique things here. There's there's no question about that. Scott Mellenby. Um, I, I think we're going to get some clarity this week about, you know, which direction they're going, if not a new general manager. There, there was a report that Patrick Kane wanted to have some insight on this. Is that right? Th that is true. Um, okay. I, I love Patrick Kane. I love the player that he is. I love the maturity that he's shown, you know, since his previous issues as he was a younger kid. I mean, you know, we should all mature, but I mean, he's matured a, a lot and, and, um, but I just, you know, so I, I, I just wonder why, why, why should he, I guess, why should he versus why shouldn't he? Well, th this is the way I look at it, Andrew. Like, you know, like Andrew, you were part of the leadership group of Buffalo, right? Leadership group. Were you ever part of leadership group? Like, were you negative? Hell okay. yes. Okay. I don't know. Like, negative you were there for a Ghost Rider. Craig, Craig, how many different teams were you? I part was part of the, of the follower group, group Elliot. Okay. <laughs> hey, we, hey, the world needs followers too. Like, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Craig, were you ever part of a leadership group? Uh, just kidding. How many teams were you part of a leadership group? Uh, three. Okay. How often would the GM ever come to you and say, Hey, just what do you think about this player? Uh, the only time was at the end of the season after, you know, doing your exit meetings. So like if there was ever a trade or something, would they ever come to you and say, Hey, what do you think about no. this guy? No. See, I think that's wrong. Like if, if I was a general manager, like I would come to you, Craig, and I would say, look, 
I am not tell I am not letting you say to me we should or should not do this deal. But we're thinking about trading for Andrew Peters. Okay. Yep. You play against him. What do you think? And there's also stuff that circulates right amongst like, like, players. Ex- you know, yeah, the off ice stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that are great players on the ice, but off ice issues are extreme. And that's excellent. You know, great so, point. You know, that would be where, you know, listen, I mean, I wouldn't be having these conversations if I was a GM. I would be having them with, you know, the Connor McDavid's of the world and the guys that are the elite guys. Like, for an example, do you not think that there was a discussion in Edmonton with Connor McDavid about bringing in Evander Kane? 100% there was. Right. I and mean, they, they asked him about bringing in Duncan Keith, too. But like that, like that's the thing. Like Craig, like I disagree with you. You say it's Connor. I, I disagree with that. Like by the time you were the captain in Buffalo, and by the time you were in Columbus, you'd been in the league, you know, a thousand games. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I, I would go to you and I would say, look, Craig, keep your mouth shut. But and plus, like you said, you know, off the ice, like some of the rookies, they don't know guys off the ice. They only know their peer group, right? So I would say, Craig, you know, Craig, you've been in this league this long. We're thinking of bringing in Andrew Peters. Is there anything here I need to know? Or what, what do you think? And and that's the way I would – like if I had Patrick Kane on my team, the other thing too is you guys know Patrick Kane. He's a, he's a hockey geek. He's watching games every night. He's He sees things at a high level. He knows level. his opponents. I would, like I would pull him aside and say, Patrick – I'm thinking of I'm thinking of training for Claude Giroux. Okay, like can this work? Is do I have anything I need to worry about yeah. here? And but I, and, but I would tell him you don't get to come to me and say we're trading for this guy. We're not trading for this guy. Like you don't have that power. Yeah. But I want to know what you think. But is that what uh, Patrick? Uh, Kane is looking to do yes. to have dialogue with the GM, yes. sit down and say, these are the guys we need to go after. You need to trade for this guy here. No, but it can't, it can't be like that. It can't be like that. You can't, you can't be able to walk into the GM's office five times a year and say this, 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 and this, what Patrick Kane wants to know is like, do, does my opinion matter at all? Do you value how I feel about things? Yeah. I mean, obviously you value me as a player, um, but do you value how do you value my opinion on where the organization should go? And, you know, I, I think you should. I, I think if you have a player who's won three Stanley Cups, who's going to the Hall of Fame, like now, if you, if you don't want him anymore and his contract's got one more year, if you don't want him anymore, then you say, you know what, Patrick, I'm sorry, we're going another direction. But while you want him, but if you do want him, I think you you sit down with him and you say, hey, what are you thinking? Do you but think again, there's a chance? That goes back to Patrick Kane wanting now for the very this first time I've heard of this, which yeah. is this year. He's 33 years old, turning 34. Yeah. He knows that he's probably got, you know, one five more, years, maybe five one years more left in him, right? I mean, I could see yeah. I could see uh, Patrick Kane playing until he's 38. No no question mm-hmm. about it. He's just mm-hmm. a he's he's a fantastic player. One of the one of the best. The game's making it easier in, for a player like him to play longer, too, anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. question, my, my thought though, when he wants to be a part of discussions is he's sitting there thinking, I've only got, you know, three, five years left in me and I want them to be highly competitive. I don't want to tear this down and go through the rebuild stuff. So I want to be a part of the discussions of who's coming in and who's coming out. Mm-hmm. That, that's why. And Patrick Kane who I can understand it. He's doing it selfishly. Is it the right, is it the best thing for the team? Or is it I don't, the best I don't, thing I don't think he's team? doing it selfishly. I, I don't, I don't think that in this case, okay. I don't, I, I think what he's, first of all, he was asked the question the, the reporter, Mark Lazarus took great pains to point out that he asked him the question. It wasn't Kane who brought it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that says to me, the report went like, I've been in that situation that's if I was the reporter there, I'm bending over backwards to say, look, this isn't a selfish thing. I asked him and he, he answered my question. I don't see this as a selfish thing. Look, the, the Chicago Blackhawks have been through a hell of a lot. That is a hurting organization and there's a scar tissue there. And I just think he wants to know what this all means. Do you ever and, think and, you like could, I said, go ahead, go ahead. And, and you just want to know your opinion means something. Do you ever think, uh, you could see him coming back to Buffalo. I, I you know, I look, I, I think his, his first choice above all else is, is to play for Chicago his entire career. 
So he wants to finish there. You think? Okay. I think so. Like, like Andrew, why not? But if he was a UFA, I don't know. Like I've never asked him, but why wouldn't he? Yeah. Like, well, and, just, and if you're the Sabres, like, why wouldn't you? Well, that's why I, I'm saying it more for the Sabres to do it because they have the cap space to do it. They need to do something to inject some uh, life in the fans. I mean, I know you say Owen Powers is going to sign here. Owen Power is going to sign here. Uh, and that's great. But at the same time, you still need, it would be nice to see a future Hall of Famer coming and being inserted into your lineup who could still play too, by the way. You know what I mean? That's that's all yeah. That's all I meant by that. But uh, great stuff, man. Great stuff. Is there anything we're missing that, that uh, you know, is, is major? I don't think so. It's pretty quiet right now. I think it's all, almost like the calm be, before the storm. We've got uh, it's are, one month today to the trade deadline. That's right. Yep. Things are going to start heating up. And I just have a feeling this year that teams are going to do it, start to make those moves earlier rather than later just for cap reasons, and uh, it'll be interesting to watch to see what happens. I think teams just want to maybe, when you say that, Riv, too, want to integrate the player faster like or have more time to yes. get come. Like, yes, it just seems like every year when you trade for a player, think about the chaos that a player must go through at a deadline, packing, moving, getting settled, having to play games and focus on all that. Get him, get the trade done earlier. Get it done sooner, and and get the player in. Get him comfortable. Mm-hmm. Get him settled, you know. So that way, there there's nothing left to do before playoffs, right? So, who's going to be most active? That. Who's going to be most active, Elliot? I like that you said you agree with that because you don't agree with much that I say. <laughs> I think um, the most active teams, I. Look, I, I think that a lot of the sellers are going to try to be active. I, I think Montreal is going to try to be active. I think. Um, what, about, what about Buffalo? I think they're going to try to be active. Yeah, I, I think they're going to, you know, they're trying to move. Biggest surprise trade from Buffalo player-wise. Is, is, is Olofsson considered a surprise? That is the guy that I was actually thinking. Because if he's still on this team after trade trade deadline, it's huge. huge. We've turned into Lucky. typical Buffalo media here, Elliot. Ask your, ask your, ask your old teammate. Who's that? Murray. Oh yeah, why are the Rangers interested? I could, I could, I could see the Rangers being around a guy like Olson. Huh. And okay. you know what? He might flourish there. Yeah, he might flourish there. When can when can we look for that story that you're working on today? When do you think we could find it? Because you got me intrigued. Uh, now. Well, it's it's a tough story. I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I don't know. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It's got some work that needs to be done. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll let you go to do that work. We'll be waiting. All right, guys. Thanks, Elliot. Right. Great stuff Thanks, as always, Elliot. man. All right, guys. Have a great day. You too. We'll see you. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle and at Craig Reve fifty two at the Instigator seventy six. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.